Thank you for joining the Late But On Time podcast. This is a podcast discussing everything from parenting to politics and a few things in between. Brought to you by the SGT Collective. On tonight's podcast with your host, Corey Sargent and Donna Sargent. We have a very special guest by the name of Kevin Beckford. Kevin, please introduce yourself. Peace and blessings, everybody. My name is Kevin Beckford. So happy to be on this uh, podcast uh, today. I'm hailing from New York City. Uh, work in the uh, education policy and communications field. I'm happy to share a little bit about myself and uh, talk to this fine brother man and, his, and a fine woman, uh, Donna, tonight <laughs> to learn a little bit about them as well. I'm a fan of the podcast, so I'm just happy you reached out to me, Corey. Yeah, no, man. So uh, for the listeners that don't know, um, I met um, Kevin at the Gentleman's Factory. So I was meeting with uh, right. Jeff Lindor. And uh, my friend Cordero brought me along, and we were talking about um, other stuff. And this 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 this, this strong looking brother uh, was <laughs> with with, with um, he he was dressed he was dressed to the nines, right? And I was like, oh man, that's a nice ensemble. Because um, for everybody that knows me, I love suits and bow ties. So uh, and then um, and then uh, Kevin was on a podcast for the Gentleman's Factory, and he was dropping some gems, man. He was dropping some gems. So I said. Yeah, oh, I, I, I gotta get this brother on. I gotta get this brother on. So, yo, it's, literally, Kevin. As soon as I came home, I was like, "Baby, um, yeah, <laughs> we need to get Kevin on." She's like, "Who's Kevin? What are you talking about?" Because she knows I don't like people. I don't like people. Yeah, not like, <laughs> I'm not, not the friendliest person. But when I, she was oh, like, "Man, that would have surprised me, man. You were the most personable." Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, down to Earth Brothers, I done met in a long time. We were chopping it up there. Yeah, we were. We were. <laughs> yeah, so um, tell us a little bit about yourself, because I know you have the Hustlers Guild, and that intrigued me. Right. Um, and I know that's a a, um, a nonprofit, a 501c3. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. So absolutely. So um, I'm a social entrepreneur, and as I said uh, a, a little while ago, I uh, work in the education policy and communication space. Uh, my journey has been a rather interesting one. Um, so um, originally from Camden, New Jersey, I was raised all around uh, South Jersey, um, raised mostly by my grandmother, my first generation of Jamaican heritage, first generation high school grad, first generation college grad. Um, education was always dear to uh, my heart um, and uh, was the way I saw the social and economic mobility, or at least that was what was told to me. Uh, so I took school very seriously. Uh, was reared in a particularly uh, leftist, unapologetically black political family. Um, and, and, and so that, in, in combination with a passion for education, uh, led me to study uh, African-American studies and political science at Yale University. Um, it was quite an honor to go to such an institution. Learned a lot about uh, institutional elitism and, uh, uh, and other things on the left, but I was so grateful for that experience and that it provided me with a lot of resources and opportunities. I traveled and studied abroad. I did research abroad. I was a Mellon Mays Fellow um, as an undergrad, which is basically a two-and-a-half-year fellowship that affords uh, people of color interested in academia the opportunity to basically get paid to do research and study. Um, so I have really had a blast in college and uh, parlayed that experience into a, a master's at the University of Cambridge, did a master's in a politics program with a concentration in African studies. Uh, took a pretty pro-black lends to black transnational thought um, and movement. Um, 
while I was there, which was rather interesting. Again, being at an institution like Cambridge, which is astutely and profoundly white. Um, I'm talking, I'm the only black person in my graduate school, of my literally my graduate wow. um, basically house of 250 people. I'm the only black person. So, you know, I was in the middle of the picture, right? Wow. You know, I was clowning the whole graduate picture like, okay, like this is what we're doing. Okay. Wow. That little speck. Who is that? I mean, I'm a big dude, so but I'm like, I'm not that big, so we're like that little speck right in the picture. Wow. Um, but um, very interesting experience uh, that I had there, and then um, did another master's at UPenn. Um, I started teaching. Um, I wanted to, as a young person, um, wanted to do what a lot of teachers had done for me, and what uh, my grandmother and what my uncles and aunts had instilled in me with, with education, right? And that was essentially try to transform thinking and and, and to um, and to bring innovative, bold, uh, radical thought into the classroom, which I, I wasn't the best teacher, but I did my, uh, I tried and I, I taught for uh, a couple years in Philly um, at the high school level. I taught AFM, history, poly, um, AP Gov, um, wow. and world history. Had a blast teaching, um, but the opportunity to arose to uh, work at the White House. And so um, I, I applied for this um, fellowship, uh, did not get it, but um, was afforded an opportunity to work as an associate, stayed on as a hire, and I was there at the Obama White House in the Office of Presidential Correspondence for about two and a half years. Wow. Um, really developed and really harnessed the passion for uh, policy, which I always had, but then education policy, because a lot of the work that I did there was in that space. Um, this is a long rounded way to get to the, the question you asked, right? I'm long winded, so you can be like, listen, brother, man, you can take a breath, <laughs> take a break. Um, but uh, yeah, I did that um, at the tail end of the administration, um, was out of a job. Um, when the president left, I had to leave. I was trying to get borrowed in, but when 45 came, I was like, all right, this ain't safe yeah. move. So I uh, spent a little bit of time um, actually on the job market, as quite a few of us did. Um, ultimately, though, landed uh, a job working in the education space, um, actually working for a philanthropy, which was super racist. Oh. <laughs> I got out of there. Yes. Ended up working, um, uh, started another position at the at a network, uh, school DOE network in New York City. Love it. Um, and in the meantime, uh, started the Hustlers Guild. So for the past three years, I've been uh, co-running a nonprofit that uses hip-hop to teach uh, tech skills to middle and high school students and also to bring about um, access to innovation uh, for uh, youth, uh, older youth, uh, ages 18 to 24. Um, so we partner with record labels, entertainment companies to kind of basically stack uh, interns and, uh, and uh, entry-level uh, workers in, in the innovation space. So roundabout way to say it, wow. uh, my career journey has been a rather interesting one, full of um, luck, full of uh, people looking out, um, and, and, and full of uh, one thing leading to the next. Um, but yeah, so really excited to talk to you guys, uh, dissect any of that. So that was a lot, but uh, that's that's me. And it, it wasn't a lot. It was very educational. <laughs> one thing I can I can I can say to you, and it leads into our first core question is that you are ambitious, right? But 
I am ambitious. You, you know, you are. It, it's no question about <laughs> it. But um, <laughs> our first core question would be: What is your definition of ambition, Kevin? Yeah, to for me to be ambition is to uh, is to be striving for 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 something, um, and, and to be striving for some not just striving for something, but to uh, strive with the intention of execution. Um, I am a believer in not just uh, seeking to do something, but actually doing it. And so when you go into any endeavor with ambition, you basically have to claim it in advance, right? You have to own it and, and, and feel like it's yours. And even if it doesn't actualize, right? And you know, and you know, obviously we all know deep down when we're aiming to accomplish something that it may or may not happen. It may not be in God's plan. You kind of have to function in that way. So to me, ambition is to essentially strive, um, obviously with a good heart, but in such a way that you are uh, claiming victory in advance. So I wanted to, I wanted to circle back to a couple things that you mentioned because, like you said, um, you know, your past is full of different things. Like it's full of luck, it's full of this and that, but it also sounds like it's full of hard work. Like there was some dedication to um, achieve the things that you you've achieved, Um, and like I wanted to ask a couple questions on a a few of the different things that you mentioned Um, when you were you know supporting um, Obama you were part of the Obama administration um, what were some of the biggest challenges you faced Um, and what were maybe one or two of the key things that you took away from that experience right so that's a great question and I have to be uh, go back to the previous uh you know, relate back to the previous uh, point I made with regards to ambition. It was really ambition that carried me through all of the challenges and, and, and ambition in both missions. Um, so it was a great opportunity. I was supported to work there, um, particularly at that time. Um, you know, being frank to be working for an administration in the second term, um, you're kind of reaping the benefits of a lot yeah. of, in many ways, uh, of a lot of uh, groundwork that's been laid. And so, uh, you know, it was a, you know, there were sort of challenges, but I never, I did not face nearly as many much challenges as uh, some of the other folks that were there, you know, from 2008 um, to, or in that first term. But, um, yeah, you know, uh, some of the challenges I identified from jump, again, blessing to be there, mm-hmm. it's still a white institution. The White House is still the White House. And I don't Speak think I it. was prepared to enter into such a space and see uh, white supremacy be such a foundation to the culture of the everyday happenings. Wow. I just assume that was a black president. So surely, like, you know what I mean? Everything must be great. We must, we made it, we here, right? But the reality is the president is, you know, out there doing his thing. There are still like, you know, functional and operational things that kind of keep that space, you know, running on the day to day. And in very ways, many ways, it was very much, you know, the same as before. And, and some may argue uh, because it was the first black president and there was such a, uh, a keenness to, um, you know, not ruffle feathers and to compromise that, uh, you know, organizationally it may not have been as bold. It was not bold, right? That it may have been a stronger maintenance of the status quo. And that's kind of like what, you know, I saw. Um, from jump, I think there are a lot of folk there who are nice folk who did who wanted to kind of turn the blind liberal eye to like uh, 
you know, the, the racism that is so real. Um, and I was truly grateful. I loved working in my office. Like, don't get it twisted. But, you know, our office is where people wrote to the office of the president, um, you know, their concerns. And so our job was to respond in email and in letter form. And it, it really took me aback, like, how, I think, at first timid, um, you know, the culture was to respond to people who wrote about police brutality or race relations. Like, the, the responses those, those folk would get, uh, you know, prior to my coming, and even when I was there, you know, I'm not going to take full credit, like, I transferred from the office, but it was really stark. It was like, wow, like, we respond to every, any other concern and basically everything anyone else says when it comes to this issue, which the president has spoken on, right? We're not willing to, you know, be as responsive and in, as inclusive as, as we could be. So I spent a lot of my time, to be honest, like, kind of, like, fighting, kind of advocating and it, and it was ambition that really um drove me you know i was like this is gonna happen like you know what i mean like my yeah. my grandmother you know would always tell me like you know you <laughs> do not disrespect your legacy just because you're there do not mm-hmm. forget where you come from and you know and i carried that spirit and it, it drove along with tradition to kind of um you know whenever i was possible advocate you know be strategic you know be really um steadfast and you know what i believe and in a small was some could say very small work but to me it was very important work right and that was being responsive to the black and brown people who wrote about black and brown concerns mm. um so that initially was a particular concern but things you know in the office for certain did uh, improve on that front um with time and with uh and with persistence so you said something what your grandmother said to you and it, it can apply to mostly everything for people of our skin hue right don't exactly disrespect your legacy when you get there mm-hmm. or while you're there so that goes for people in corporate america that goes for people in in the private and public sector especially for our skin hue don't disrespect your legacy right. don't water down yourself while you're there because there's plenty of times i'll have discussions with some of my friends <clears throat> And yes, Donna, I do have friends. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, this uh, no, uh, Donna. Let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you. This is a gregarious brother here. He was he was uh, making rounds around the gentleman's back. Like, everybody, I, I'm really shocked to actually hear that. Yeah, yeah. Man. <laughs> he can turn it on. Anyway, and on. so um, <laughs> no, but I, I go, I go honestly and truly, I go based off of energy, and the energy was on point because I said, "Hey, brother, yo, that's that's a nice suit that you got." Because he had a he had a um. Like it was a double-breasted uh, blue, um, a blue checkered, blue checkered uh, vest, yep. and he had he had the mock uh, the uh, the monk strap shoes. So yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, man. I like because and then I was like, yo, brother, that's and it was one of my better days. And like <laughs> most, like uh, most 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 guys um, that I've interacted with, and you say, hey, that's a nice suit, that's nice, whatever. They just look at you like you're crazy. So your energy was like, oh, thank you. Oh, I like what you got on. You know what I mean? So it was a compliment for a compliment. Um, and your energy was was awesome about it. But um, I to have conversations with my friends, and sometimes, uh, for lack of a better word, they throw on the white voice when they're talking to certain people in their at their job because, yo, know, I can't throw on a deep voice because then they'll be like, oh no, this scary black man. Mm. And then um, so. So uh, with that being said, it's like uh, 
some right. we, like it just it just triggered something like you can't water down your legacy just because where you are i have a quick question i have a quick question so mm. Mm. for you in your in your personal opinion um would you consider code switching watering down your legacy or disrespecting your legacy yo when, when she told me about it? code switching i thought you were talking about a video game because no, I, mean, I had no idea what you talked <laughs> about no because i wrote a, I, I like I, I published a book um very recently called conversations with mom and i talk about oh. i talk about um code switching when you get to work and you happen to be the only person that looks like you in the room and you end up representing your culture whether you want to or not yeah, and um and I was wondering when you said that, do you find that to be something that is disrespectful to the legacy or is it um, a part of the corporate experience? Like, how would you have you experienced code switching at all? And like, what's your opinion on it? That's a great that's actually a great question, a great framing of it. Um, my answer to that is really like it depends. Um, I think first, let me just preface by saying, um, you know, we all as people have these different parts of us, right, yes. that we tap into, that we tap out to, and these I different agree. experiences, mm-hmm. right? And it's not necessarily to say that that other part that may switch on one minute and then switch off the next is not, you know, reflective or representative, perhaps, of a type of expression one okay. uh, embodies. Yeah. So I, I, I can't necessarily make a full, like, judgment on assessment. I would also say that, like, ultimately, to you is up to the individual, right, to, to, to decide, like, you know, to um, gauge their comfort um, and their willingness to kind of, you know, uh, to be however it is they, they, they feel they need to be. Um, and then I would also say that there are, are some consequences, right, especially for black and brown folk that are really like, that can be grave, right? Like for some, like the decision of code switch comes when you're pulled over by a police officer. Mm. And in your mind, if you're worried about your personhood and your, 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 your life, you know, that may be for that person, like, the way to go. For me, it just isn't. And I can say this as someone who has dabbled in and out. Like, I don't even know if I have the ability to do it anymore. Like, I just don't. Like, mm. I personally don't. It's too exhausting. It's just too hard. Um, I'm not the best liar. So I, I forget. At some point, I'm going to forget. And you're, gonna, you're going to hear how I speak. You're going to hear, like, see how I move. The base is going to slip. So there's no, it's just too limiting to even for me personally to even try to do that and i think you know um i think you know many ways i honor my my ancestors by walking in my true and authentic self um as i feel i don't i also would say giving you maybe a roundabout answer but not everybody is deserving you know what i mean of the true and authentic me and so there are some times i'm like you don't even deserve I hear you. You don't even deserve. <laughs> you don't even deserve me. So you know what? I may just give you. You know, like it may not even be a code switch, but just like a short. You know, yeah, like okay, service. something that's by the book, by the rules, and be like, just get out my face. Like <laughs> I'm just doing this for them to move right. from point A to point B. Okay. But you don't deserve. You don't deserve it. So this is what you get. And then I'm gonna go be myself because I know I'm dope. That's right. And you know you dope, Donna. <laughs> I know we, brother man. You know you dope, right? So we <laughs> shoot. I'll take this elsewhere. Yeah. So like you don't know what, what you're missing. Exactly. So. That's respect. With code switching being said, and when Donna broke down the code switching for me because I I didn't know what it was, right? She disrespected me like I don't have a master's. Stop that. Stop that. So but um one one thing that uh I love the book Native Son by Richard Wright. 
and there's a oh, character man, yeah. in the name of it by Bigger Thomas, and he has uh-huh. they coined the phrase uh, double consciousness. So Bigger Thomas, mm-hmm. he would talk one way with his friends, but then when he was in his employee's house, his employer's house, he would talk another way. So that that like code switching is like double double talk, and um, it's uh, code switching is like double consciousness for lack of uh, for the most part, and it, it's it's like we are walking around with two souls. That's what W.E.B. Mm-hmm. Du Bois said. Right. Well, double consciousness right. is like walking around with two souls. You're two different people. You're two different entities in, in the, inhabiting the same body, but you are acting totally different. Like if your friends on the outside saw you acting how you do with X, Y, Z, they'd be like, who is this person? Yeah, no, because I, I mean, I feel yeah. like very often there are there are different um ways that you will interact with different people i will not interact with my homegirls the same way i will interact with the mothers of the church <laughs> i will not like right. so you know and a, exactly and i feel like but, but know, it's, and, it's it's different cuz no, 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 it's so saying, it's still no i no 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 it, it i don't think it is really because like i will and it's the same i mean like okay but you're still in your comfortability cuz it's still your certain, right but there's a certain you. level there's a certain level no yeah of, no but it's respect like, yeah and, and and with code switching at work it's not quite i would say respect that i may may have for um a coworker or for um a employer versus a friend because I feel like you can connect with someone about anything. Huh. Like I can connect with you about food. I can connect with you about a movie. I can connect with you about the weather mm. if I need to keep it basic. They get but Corey all the time. I, I do know that. but I, And I tell my husband all the time before Don't he be got, aggressive. No, Whatever. not even that. Before he went <laughs> for the interview for the current role he's in right now, I said, babe, I want you to do you're gonna do amazing. She's trying to tell me not you, to wear bow ties. But I'm telling you right now, I'm wearing my bow ties. Play the game. Play the game. I need you to go in there and play the game. Because <laughs> I know that just like you mentioned when he was at um, the gentleman's. I always say the wrong word. Gentleman's factory. Factory. She says gentleman's club. Like and my it's husband like, was like, babe, it is not <laughs> the gentleman's club. I was like. That's not what it's called? Listen, like, no, babe, no. You know how people be saying that? They'll be like, ooh, I want to join. I'll be like, nah. Like, yeah, you should join, but it's a different type of show. It's a, <laughs> I say it wrong every time. And I was like, I'm going to mess this up. But no, when he was talking about, you know, the vibe at the Gentleman's Factory, he was saying it was just a chill, relaxed, open, welcoming vibe. And if he feels welcome and he feels like he feels or uh, the energy is exactly what he kind of expects or – um, even better than he expects, then he goes a certain way. But if everybody if, gets smoke, <laughs> everybody gets smoke. But the, no, like so, like the energy, right. the energy right. in the in the gentleman's factory was like it was chill. Like I saw like Jeff gave me a high five. I was like, man, you taller than uh than your pictures. You. <laughs> and then, so he la- he laughed. He was like, yo, welcome, welcome. Like every brother, and even his wife was there too. His wife was like, hey, how you, you doing? Go? No, you can't go. Wow. <laughs> he was like. <laughs> He was like, I want to go. That was fast. Like, hey, hey. Everybody was like nice and welcoming. You know what I mean? Because to be in a space of of your peers and people that look like you, you're automatically comfortable for for uh, for the most part, right? Like, if you go to a club, it's like "Mm, I gotta see if I'm gonna get beat up or drink thrown on me. But Gentleman's Factory, it's just like it, it feels like it's a networking and. Just really a, 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 a peaceful space. My cousin Travis Weeks, 
He uh, shout out to Trav. He does Driven Society. Um, it's a branding marketing um, company, and he also has a podcast. But he's also a member of the Gentleman's Factory. So that's another avenue of of. Uh, like another connection I had with the Gentleman's Factory, and actually somebody I went to school with, his name is Wendell. He he's in the Gentleman's Factory, so I'm like, man, oh, I, yeah. I need to gravitate towards this place. You know what I mean? But um, with all of this being said, you you mentioned your grandmother a lot, and grandparents are very uh, play a very uh, <clears throat> intricate part in everybody's life, but especially in the Black community. Right. So right. and and my my grandparents or my grandmother, um, I would say, was a mentor to me. So with that being said, I'll lead into the next question. Um, who was or is a mentor um, when uh, starting on your career path? Yeah. So um, I've had quite a few mentors uh, in, my, in my career path. Um, a few of them may be cliche and uh, redundant for uh, earlier parts of the discussion. But first, foremost, definitely God. I feel like I always like my talk whole life talk, into, and, and, and into uh, the love and the protection and the guidance uh, of Christ to just, you know, push to, to, to order my steps um, and to really align them. Um, so that's like just like where I, I see, I try to see ultimate guidance from especially as it is to make a big decision um you know i'll admit like as confident as i move or seemingly move in the world like everyone i am human i definitely have moments of like you know uh, anxiety and, and uh timidity and just like uncertainty and it is really god and my grandmother those are the two people consistently from the beginning of my career that i really leaned into um i felt calling for example to teach um, after, uh, after college, right? And uh, there was a lot of, you know, uh, really sexy options to, you know, do the, you know, the Wall Street route. Um, and I was like, well, that's money. And, you know, I had friends that were doing that, right? But it wasn't true to my heart. And I felt, you know, calling to, to, to work with students. And it was those two, those two people, you know, a person and a higher be my higher being that I called on for guidance, um, and for direction, and I'm so grateful. I think in that moment, I was pretty blind. I felt like, why am I, like, you know what I mean? Like, I kind of was like, I want to teach because I'm a young guy, you know, I'm a young black man. Like, I feel like this could be, uh, you don't really see black men in the classroom. This could be something. Um, but I, I now see, you know, as I have students who are now in math, you know, one of them is in a public health uh, program at Morehouse. Um, another, you know, they're in college, they're like, doing great things. Uh, some have started nonprofits. Uh, <coughs> You know what I mean? So I see why that is, right? And so those two, for certain. Um, other uh, mentors I've had have been people who have actually been, that have really, that have lasted, interesting enough, have been people who have been like kind of second degree um, associates or people that I've like developed relationships with. One is actually Howard Dean. Um, so Howard Dean is, 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 uh, is the, uh, you know, the, former DNC chair, former uh, presidential candidate. Um, he taught a class that I took my senior year at Yale. And basically, I spazzed out in this classroom. There was a particular moment I was the only black student in the classroom. Mm. These, you know, I felt like I was being gaslit by these kids because we were talking about uh, us, uh, economic inequity. Mm -hmm. um, and we did this exercise, the class, and I felt like I was gaslit. So I like spazzed out in the class. And he was like, you know, what? I like this kid. <laughs> and, uh, you know, 
he's been please put me on game like real game like that you know that that, that, that white people game like like listen he's like don't call me mr dean you call me howard mm-hmm. um you know like he's like you shoot me an email you shoot me a call like i got you i i get like wow. five ten fifteen minute responses from this man i've emailed him at two o'clock being like okay he'll email me in a week nope i got an email in an hour um wow. at dinner i have lunches with this man he's always like you know if you're looking for this job i got you you know if you want to like um you know, I'd be like, Howard, like, I think, like, you know, you should meet, like, one of my friends who works in politics. He's like, I got you. He has been someone who looked out and looked out in a way. He put me on game to, like, how, you know, I think as black folk, we definitely, for certain, we look out for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, he put me on that, like, he put me on that, like, connected, like, I look out for you. You know what I mean? Like, uh, in a way that was, like, very, like, very genuine, too. Um like, like, like we do. And that was like very interesting. That kind of caught me off guard. Um, so he's been a mentor to me. Um, I've had, uh, there's another teacher I had from, may she rest in peace. Uh, you know, she was, uh, Miss Galbert was a good mentor to me. Um, you know, just in terms of like, you know, I was thinking about becoming a teacher. She was the one who I called back to when I visited her classroom and she put me on the run down of like what it would be like. Um, yeah, you know, I think mentors and people to, to pour into you are so important. Um, another one I had is Michael Smith, who's now the, uh, the, who's the executive director of NBK. You know, him and I would go on walks when I was at the White House, and I would, you know, he was like the person I was meant to. <laughs> and he would be like, okay, Kev, like, you know, to what you kind of said, Donna, like, let's put things in perspective. You know, don't, don't cuss nobody out today. Uh, let's see how we could, uh, <laughs> how, can we, how we could be strategic about this, right. you know, um, you know, I've had a lot of really great, um, and another one is a woman named Karen Andre, like legit. She's like Howard and like, always looked out for me. She's always reached out. Um, she really actually has taught me like the importance of mentoring others and like kind of how to do it, especially in like the policy and communications world. Um, the tail end of the administration, I was actually a special advisor for then Secretary Castro. Um, and, and uh, you know, she was very helpful for, to me in kind of navigating that process and landing you know making that really big like <laughs> dope career pivot uh where my salary is like <laughs> double and a half <laughs> yeah. and i got to leave earlier at the same time wow. <laughs> so Man. uh yeah yeah no mentors are important i've had a lot of mentors uh who supported into me and, and, I'll, and i'll just say quickly because i feel like i'm rambling but a lot of them have just been people who you know kind of saw like potential or had interest from afar um, one thing about politics that was very, you know, that I didn't necessarily work with. One thing about politics is very interesting is like it is a little like a little, you know, it's, it's kind of catty. You know, like I feel like um, it's really hard to find authentic, genuine people. So I'm very blessed. I found some very authentic, genuine mentors who kind of just saw it in me, who may not have known me that well, but just like based on like working on a project or having a few conversations where, like, yo, I'm going to look out for him and make sure you pay it forward in the same way that we did. Wow. No, that's that's um, that's amazing, and you mentioned uh, early in the podcast, and just to let you know, you're not you're not being long winded or rambling. We enjoy this because we're learning, um, and it's also helping out the listeners as well. So, um, you mentioned early in the podcast your grandmother, then you mentioned education, then you mentioned mentors, right? So, you being uh, driven or um, basically groom for education from because you're you're in a line of service right so you mentioned god right and we do serve god god serves and that um everybody who follows um god 
um, in the right way, um, they are drawn to service. They're drawn to helping people. Um, and with that being said, I would want to ask you, would you be a mentor if you're not already one? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. I, I think, um, you know, uh, I, I think in many ways, um, like, like what you just said, right? If you are kind of reared, you know, and, and in a way that is to, to follow, you know, God, um, you're naturally going to be like a, a person of servant leadership, um, of, of um, trying to walk as an example. Um, and so, yeah, I, I definitely consider myself a mentor. I definitely strive to be a mentor um, to date, you know, and I, and I say this with humility, I still, you know, talk to my former students. You know, I'm still, like, reviewing their resumes, um, you know, sending them jobs, you know, uh, descriptions and, you know, coaching them as they uh, interview uh, for jobs and positions. You know, I'm still reaching out to, you know, my interns and the, the, the folk who work with, work, uh, you know, in my, under my purview on government, um, you know, whether even if it's like, you know, gen, uh, the brothers at the gentleman's factory, you know, I'm still like, you know, trying to put them on to like different opportunities as they put me on to different opportunities. I, you know, and I, and I think one thing about mentorship is that you don't have to be older. You know what I mean? I think we kind of have this notion that like, oh, you must be like, a, you know what I mean? Like an elder in order to be a, a mentor, but you don't have to be. And like, it, it doesn't also have to be one directional. Like I can mentor you the same way you can mentor me. Um, right. I, I can pour into you the same way you can pour into me. Um, it, 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 and for me, it's just like a natural thing of way of being. I don't almost, always, I don't always even look at it as like, oh, I'm your, like, I'm your mentor. You know what I mean? Because like that can kind of feel like, uh, you know, like there's like a little bit of a power dynamic there. Because you know, like, listen, like I, I take every blessing, I take every resource. So if you want to pour into me, you want to mentor me, I welcome it. The same way I'm, I, I may be doing that for you. So yes, I definitely uh, strive to be a mentor, and I definitely assign to mentor on uh, whatever capacity uh, uh possible that is what's up man and how i know that you are in the church because you're saying little uh you're saying little church quotes or phrases that only church people say <laughs> so pour into no. me and then you said something else um earlier about discernment no. i was like all right all right <laughs> kevin kevin <laughs> talk kevin talking that talk <laughs> Yo, I'm, yo, let me tell you, I'll be at my job, and so, you know, I, 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 I'm going to cut up time, you know what I mean? And then, that, you know, that little talk will slip up, and they be like, oh, <laughs> you go to church with me? I'm like, listen, they don't oh, know. <laughs> but uh, Donna, has, Donna has a follow-up question. I do, I do. So I was reading a little bit about <laughs> what you um, what you do with the, the young, with the youth and the different people that you work with on um the Hustlers Guild, and I wanted to know if you can tell me a little bit about Art Hustle. About Art Hustle? Yeah, the TED Talk style speakers that kind of come up and... Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Oh, most definitely, definitely. I thought you said Art Hustle at first. I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah, no, that's feel like... <laughs> no, for sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, a little background about the Hustlers Guild. Um, so, um, when the administration... Uh, Obama administration was transitioning in 2016. Um, a, a, one of my co-founders and a, a homegirl, dear friend um, of mine, Yasmin Selena, you know, she reached out to me and, a, and another friend was like, hey, I have this 
idea. You know, we're all out here um, basically mentoring young people. Like while we were working at the White House, we all had a passion for education. We all had a hustle. And we all wanted to leverage like, our access to the White House, host the administration. Like, she was like, I have this idea. Like, let's, uh, you know, start this organization that will uh, use hip-hop to build um, an opportunity in an innovation space for black and brown people. Um, right? So uh, we started it three years ago. Um, we do programming in schools. Where we, you know, we, we do a hybrid of things. We teach kids how like coding. Um, we have a a structure, right, where we have volunteers and interns from historically black colleges and universities to go into schools and to, to lead and execute these modules where kids are learning to code, they're learning entrepreneurship, they're learning how to pitch. They're working on these, they're hacking and working on these projects to um, uh, create innovative solutions to uh, problems and um, or things they've identified in the entertainment space or in the social justice space um, but hip-hop is kind of this vehicle um, and we believe that we, we chose hip-hop one because of students of hip-hop um, two, two is the culture um, you know what I mean a lot of times schools can feel like very are, are very anti-black spaces and, and, and a lot of our, much of our learning they're, they're very a lot of um, curriculums are just reinforcing of like white norms and mm-hmm. we wanted to uh, bring a type of learning that speaks to students, right? That speaks to the culture. And um, the, uh, one of our pieces of our program, right, is, 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 is geared at having these constructive conversations um, that, are, that are authentic and that are just a real-life conversation. So the code switching conversation, it's, a, it's so funny that's the question that was asked because we've had, you know, we have those conversations with students like, okay, like, this is like, you know, as we take them to places like Facebook and Google, you know, um, which is a part of what we do with the, the, the young students and the rock nation of music, you know, we, we prep them by saying, okay, you know, just keep it real. Like, this is what, you know, tech is, a, you're going to see, you're not going to see many people that look like you, right? And you're not going to see people that may, that may express or talk like you. And I mm-hmm. think for a lot of students, the four blocks, you know, within their school and within a neighborhood is all they know, six blocks, mm-hmm. all they know, like, mm-hmm. Exposing them to this reality of like, listen, like people are going to treat you differently based on how you present, how you, um, and how and who you are, which is it's just woefully sad, right? And so there, there, there's this you know this conversation we have with young people like how like how do you you know how to make that decision to we don't say like oh you should code switch it's like no like. This is just some information, yeah. you know what I mean, and it, it's a real, some real, it's some real effed up situation. Information, um, you know. Let's have a constructive conversation about about it, and in a real conversation about like how people may code switch, and that's not on even enough. You know, for most people who are code switching out here, and like you know, they are dancing that dance, and they're doing more than code switch. They are dancing that dance. They do whatever they need to do, right. and they're still not like you know being treated as people mm. um, that they should be right. And so those are the type of talks we'll have, like with auto hustle talks is like you know conversations to that effect we also will bring in like you know um we leverage our network so we bring in like um you know artists and like influencers to come and talk about um you know entrepreneurship to talk about social emotional learning to talk about mental health and kind of like all of those things and how those things have played a big part in their career um a few people we've had um for example um you know talks with have been like Hannah Jackson, you know, very smart brothers, uh, little Bank Bear, the DJ, uh, mm. Cowboy, the rapper, who was very insightful to the students wow. in a techie and an entrepreneur like 
none other. Um, and Dave East, uh, who uh, we brought to uh, the Urban Assembly School for Global Commerce up in Harlem, you know, Harlem rapper, the Harlem School, and talked about entrepreneurship, talked about, you know, walking in your authentic self, talked about, you know, navigating, you know, uh, the challenges of life and also navigating the challenges of industry, right? Um, these are real and authentic conversations we try to curate for young people. Um, we try to make sure that they get exposed to these, you know, these conversations before they, these conversations expose them and, and it, it takes advantage of them, right? We want to make sure that they know, like, this is what the world is in this space. Um, this is what it's going to look like. Um, but then we also want to just expose them to, like, you know, I mean, there's, like, dope people who are doing great things in the culture. We also do these these talks with, um, with uh, you know, industry experts and leaders. And so we'll take them to Sony Music and they'll engage with, you know, execs there. We've um, taken the Rock Nation and, and, you know, they had you know, Otto Huff's talk with uh, Ro Carter, who is, uh, you know, uh, Jay's, Jay's cousin and, uh, you know, works in A&R at, uh, at Rock Nation. So we try to have, like, these real and authentic conversations that are ongoing that supplement like the learning um, that's happening, you know, with, with the young people. I am <laughs> truly happy <laughs> that I got you on the podcast. <laughs> I like you could ask Donna. I don't smile. Mm -hmm. I smirk, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm actually smiling. Um, she teases me all the time, but my favorite movie is the Grinch. Yeah. So <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> Right, um, and that's like kind of my personality. No, it, it, yeah, um, that's kind of my personality. But um, you guys are doing great things. And one thing I would ask is, for from what you were doing in the Obama administration to what you're doing now, what and this is goes to a third core question: What advice would you give someone trying to get a foot in the door of your industry? Yeah, well, that's a great question. Um, I would say finally, Kevin. Uh, finally, you said I had a great question. Because <laughs> Donna, you was like, jealous. "Oh, great question, Donna. Jealousy, great man. question." Green is not your color, no. baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. That's hilarious. No, I like the way you framed that, though, brother. I like the way you framed that, though, brother. Um, so I think advice I would give folks um, into uh, who are in, interested in, in, in hmm, very different answers. But I'll be. Uh, but in brief, I would say for politics policy. I would say um, patience. Um, if someone wants to get to a place like the White House, it's an agency. Um, the routes to do so are uh, either working on a campaign. Um, it could be um, an internship. A lot of folks like go and do an internship or work in, as an associate or a fellow, do a fellowship and do you know do a great job, and that's how they get hired on. Um, so if that's you're looking to get to a place like the White House, those are really the ways to go. And uh, there's a lot of strategy involved, particularly if you're trying to get on a, um, like, for example, the folk who are trying to get on that. And now they're trying to get on a winning campaign. Um, and if, you know, when a candidate loses in the primaries, for example, they try to go through who they think is going to be in another winner, you know, campaign, or they have these conversations behind the scenes. Um, so that's kind of like how it functions. And I would say, unfortunately, um, it's a lot of like, I'm going to push you on because, you, you know, put in the work. Yeah. Um, I do think there's one particular campaign that's a little better, um, you know, and a little different in, in terms of like how folk are getting on and hired and stuff and then ultimately how that'll work out. Um, but, but that's what I would say on that front. And I think for education um, in terms of like 
we're trying to get into like the education policy uh, world space, I would say to anybody trying to get into it is like, you know, um, really, uh, whew, I would say, I don't even know how to, how do you do it, but, it, but it's just something that happened in eight, that is happening with me. It's kind of like toughening your skin. Mm. Um, I'm real. I was, I've been really interested to see how, um, there's a lot, like in New York, for example, you know, there's a lot of gatekeeping in education. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a pretty, you know, um, and I'm, I'm just keeping it real. It's a very white liberal, uh, establishment, um, that I wasn't expected. Like, I was just like, whoa, this is New York City. Like, well, how are the schools? Like, schools are really segregated in terms of student populations and resources. So anybody who's looking to get into education policy or education comms, I would just say, kind of be ready for that piece. Um, I, I would say uh, with education, you know, I would always advise anyone, particularly in New York, who's trying to get into the space, you know, if you're not, you know, not a teacher, but like um, policy is to, really do your homework. Um, you know, there are oftentimes talks and events that are sponsored by the DOE. I would definitely say go to those, get to know people, get to meet and know like-minded people, mm-hmm. um, to try to build net- a network and networks and tribes, you know, that, you know, could just, you know, can help you out. And, uh, that's been what I've relied on very heavily, um, kind of traversing in this space now. Wow. No, I agree. It's, I feel like it's really, important and I've, I've mentioned this on more than one occasion on the podcast how important networking really is mm-hmm. um, and I feel like when you are out there you have to one you have to go to find your tribe you can't just assume that they'll find right. you at work or you'll just find um, your tribe so to speak um, while you're out and about you need to go to the meetings go to the different events the meetups the um, the gentleman's factory. <laughs> the gentleman's factory. No, actually, exactly. what is the gentleman's yeah. factory? Definitely. <laughs> you find just... anybody there. <laughs> I really think that it's important that you put yourself out there to have that conversation because that's when you'll know 100% of the shots you don't take are missed. So, oh, look at her right. talking that talk. Look at him. She got that from me. Talk. Wow, wow. Because you know, she don't watch real. She don't watch sports until the playoffs. Wow, why are we talking about this? No, man? but it's true. Though. <laughs> I mean, I want to see a real game. Oh, okay, I need to be hungry for it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, you do have two masters, which is. I commend mm-hmm. you. Yes, I right? do. You, after you, the first one, I was done. You have. <laughs> I was like, certifications So only. my, certifications my, um, my best friend, uh, Nick, <laughs> my best friend, Nick Morgan, um, he's currently going for his doctorate, uh, right? He has, uh, and he said something to me, and I, it didn't hit me until I started going for my master's. He said, when you go for your master's, it's going to feel like they gave you your bachelor's. <laughs> and I didn't understood what I did not understand. Yeah. I didn't understood mm-hmm. what I didn't understand what he meant until they hit me with that first class, mm. and I was like, "Oh, what is this?" Listen. And then I was like, "I called him. I was like, Nick, you were right. It feels like they gave me yeah. my bachelor's, man. Yeah. It's, it's um, not easy out here. It is not. It's easy. it's not. It's not. Especially if you go to a school that will challenge you." And not just let you yeah. coast. Listen, I, and I know I miss school. Every now and again, I miss school. So I'm like, you know what? Let me go get a cert. And like uh, recently I went, well, two, two, three years ago, I went and got, I went to. She's very ambitious. 
um, business school of Wharton. Uh, I went. Oh, look at you! Stop. I went. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did an analytics course and did, got an analytics certification um, with them. And I was like, "Ooh, nope i i I miss it when I'm not there because I miss the challenge right. and um being you know the critical thinking of it all and working among other colleagues and I, I miss it when I'm there, but I'm like, I like the idea of something shorter earned <laughs> so as I do now it's just certifications <laughs> it's certifications so i I definitely applaud you two master's degrees. I'm like, you better go ahead because i I can't I can't so- <laughs> well, you know it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I, you know, I was, I, you know, uh, a lot. It was, I'm not, you know, I said this, but it, it was, it's real, it's real talk. It was kind of circumstantial. Um, like that, that first one I got was like, a, like, I, I, so I got the Gates Cambridge uh, scholarship to study at the University of Cambridge. And I only applied because my school was like, yo, you should apply for Rhodes. And mm-hmm. I looked at the Rhodes scholarship and I was like, oh, this is long. I was like, in East Africa, I don't think he had got this. Ain't really done. I don't even want to go there. So then they were like, okay, here's a short application. <laughs> and I did that drawing in like a lecture class. I ain't gonna lie to you. I was wow. literally like, did like two sessions. I was like, we just gonna knock these bad boys out. Did I spell check? <laughs> no, I was like, no, I help Mary. Then I was like, oh, snap. Y'all gonna pay for me to go to England? So like, that's kind of like how that wow. degree came to be. And then I really wanted to get one in education. So uh, it's, it's kind of funny how life is. That's what's up. That's trust what's me, up. I would have been good with one. <laughs> so um, education, me and Donna, we stress education and we say education is the key of a lot of things. But education starts with the books. So a fourth core question would be, what is one book you have read that has changed your life or your approach to life? Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I knew that was one coming. Pick a book is really hard. We're tied up, Donna. One. Um I oh, would wow. say uh <laughs> a book that has really transformed my thinking is a book by this uh Kenyan scholar called Ngugiwa Tiongo. It's mm. called Decolonizing the Mind. Um and that book really shaped my thinking and really shaped my I guess my approach to like my personal and professional life and that it um uh it essentially looks at it, the ways in which um really like the book itself really focuses on like colonialism and imperialism and, like the effects that it's you know the West has had in um you know uh constructing these false narratives of uh that you know uh you know uh, in, in in this case African and uh in indigenous uh, societies um, have kind of taken on. So it's very like France Fanon X in terms of like um, your mind or our approach to politics. In this case, our approach to politics, you know, is, is, is such, it's such a thing because of like white supremacy and oppression. And that book for me was just so transformative and like, and very freeing, um, even though like it focused it focuses both on like the um, and this guy Nguyen is also like a novelist, so there's a focus on like um, you know the politics, but then also a focus on on self. Um, and um, yeah, just I just found that book to be really really freeing um, and really transformative. I, I, after I read that book, um, I think when I read that book for like the second time, and at that point I was working for the White House. That's when I kind of felt kind of liberated to be like, oh, like this is like nothing new. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, this is like to how I can, you know, walk in my authentic self and how I can, 
um, try my best to uh, advocate for, you know, uh, for the people, you know, in, in, a, in a way that, that, that that's, that's, that's important. That is great. That is great, Kev. Um, but what I would say is, like, books are very important, right? I'm an avid reader. Hold on one second. I'm an avid reader, and I believe books can be transformative, and we're definitely going to put that in the bio. Um, so we've mentioned grandparents. We've mentioned um, ambition. We've mentioned internships. We've mentioned mentioned networking. We've mentioned how great my questions were. Wow. <laughs> wow. And um, we mentioned we mentioned a whole bunch of wow. things, so this is a wide-ranging conversation. But one thing we haven't mentioned oh, boy. Was my favorite favorite thing oh, in this boy. world? Here he goes. It's comic books. Here he goes. So our fifth <laughs> core question would be: If you were a superhero, who would you be? Or if you had a superpower, what would your superpower be? Man, you know, I've always had uh, uh, a real affinity for Gambit. Uh, Talk about the, the, the Cajun, like, the Cajun uh, Renegade. Yeah, like that's always been like my dude. Um, so I think I, I I don't have like particular reason like that was play I played with. You know, when when I was playing video games, that was like <laughs> I was just like watching ready for X Men, watching for for that for his character. And I don't know why, but that's always been the one. Um, so I, I don't have much to to give of, of context for that. But I would say for the superpower, if I had a superpower, um, I would really and this is gonna sound. This is gonna sound so antithetical to, <laughs> to that. It would be like I would want to give others the opportunity to feel and to experience joy. Um, oh wow! We live in such a cold world. We live in such a, a world that can be so trying. Um, wow. I would love to just like if I'm walking on the street and and you know, and obviously joy can't compensate for hunger. Or it's no, you know what I mean, or anything like that. But like, if I could just be like, "Yo, I see you down and out, and you're feeling like, you know, I can tell you feeling some type of way," I would love to just have that ability to just be like, you know what, I want you to feel good, you know. Um, I think that's probably like if that would be like the ultimate superpower is like to make others like feel true happiness. Um, you know. Especially walk around New York, like it could be anything. You just see like people coming out, they build it, like on their way to work on the subway. You gotta be in the subway, people just wanna fight and you're just like, dang, like yeah. I just wanna give you like yeah. like <laughs> positive like right now. Yeah. Like, no, nah, that's like, that's that's a great that's a great superhero and a great superpower. So, um yeah. Gambit <laughs> Uh, it just made me think of his. It, it, listeners may laugh and be like, "Yo, this dude is corny," but whatever. Um, he was a he was the 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 raging Cajun. His real name was Remy Etienne LeBeau, but he 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 his superpower was to is kinetic energy, and he could light up yeah. cards. Right. So, right. I would say Gamut was the first and best spades player because he had those fire hands. <laughs> oh, he did. He did. No, them jobs with. Yeah. No joke. Yeah. But yeah. um uh before we end the podcast episode, we typically name our podcast after pop culture references, but typically African American or brown or Latino pop culture references. So this episode in in uh co commemoration of your heritage and 
you just being an all-around cool brother, this episode, oh, I believe I'm going to name Cool Runnings. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I'll um, take that. <laughs> so, Kevin, we, we enjoy and we, we thank you for being on the podcast. This was very informative, and you will definitely, definitely be back um, on the podcast. And I'm going to play the intro, outro music, because my wife loves the outro music. <laughs> I want you to be smooth. All right. <laughs> but Kev, Kev, thank you. you. We appreciate you. Thank you again for being on the podcast. We definitely appreciate you being on it. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for being on the podcast with your host, Corey Sargent and Donna Sargent. <laughs>